0: Chapter Thirty-Eight of the Scalp Hunters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Scalp Hunters by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Thirty-Eight, Adelia. We direct ourselves to the great building and surround it again halted. The old men are still upon the roof, standing along the parapet. They are frightened and trembling like children. Do not fear. We are friends, cried Sanguine, speaking in a strange language and making signs to them. His voice is not heard amidst the shrieks and shoutings that still continue. The words are repeated and the sign given in a more emphatic manner. The old men crowd along the edge of the parapet. There is one among them who differs from the rest. His snow-white hair reaches below his waist. There are bright ornaments hanging from his ears and over his breast. He is attired in white robes. He appears to be a chief, for the rest obey him. He makes a signal with his hands, and the screaming subsides. He stands forward on the parapet as if to speak to us. "'Amigos! Amigos!' he cries, speaking in Spanish. "'Yes, yes, we are friends,' replied Sanguine, in the same language. "'Do not fear us. We came not to harm you. "'Why harm us? We are at peace with the white pueblos to the east. "'We are the children of Montezuma. We are the Navajos. What do you want with us? "'We come for our relatives, your white captives. They are our wives and daughters.' "'White captives? You must mistake us. We have no captives. "'Those you seek are among the nation of the Apache.' far away to the south no they are with you replied Sanguin. i have certain information that they are here delay us not then we have come a far journey for them and will not go without them the old man turns to his companions they converse in a low voice and exchange signs again he faces round to Sanguin. believe me senor chief says he speaking with emphasis you have been wrongly informed we have no white captives "'That rotten old liar!' cries Ruby, pushing out of the crowd and raising his cat-skin cap as he speaks. "'He knows this child, do he?' The skinless head is discovered to the gaze of the Indians. A murmur, indicated of alarm, is heard among them. The white-haired chief seems disconcerted. He knows the history of that scalp. A murmur, too, runs through the ranks of the hunters. They had seen white faces as they rode up, the lie exasperates them and the ominous click of rifles being cocked is heard on all sides you have spoken falsely old man cries seguin we know you have white captives bring them forth then if you would save your own lives quick shouts gary raising his rifle in a threatening manner quick or i'll dye the flax of your old skull patience amigo you shall see our white people but they are not captives they are our daughters the children of Montezuma. The Indian descends to the third story of the temple. He enters a door and presently returns, bringing five females dressed in the Navajo costume. They are women and girls, and as anyone could tell at a glance of the Hispano-Mexican race. But there are those present who know them still better. Three of them are recognized by as many hunters and recognized in return. The girls rush out of the parapet stretch forth their arms and utter exclamations of joy pepi raffaella jesuita coupling their names with expressions of endearment they shout to them to come down pointing to the ladders bayan ninas bayan a priest. A the ladders rest upon the upper terraces the girls cannot move them their late masters stand beside them frowning and silent "'Lay holt there!' cries garry again, threatening with his peace. "'Lay holt and help the gals down, or I'll fit you, yourselves a-tumbling over. "'Lay holt, lay holt!' Shout several others in their breath. The Indians place the ladders, and the girls descend, and the next moment leap into the arms of their friends. Two of them remain above, only three have come down. Sanguine has dismounted and passes these threes with a glance. None of them is the direct object of his solitude. He rushes up the ladder, followed by several of the men. He springs from terrace to terrace. Upon the third, he presses forward to a spot where stand the two captive girls. His looks are wild and his manner that of a frantic person. They shrink back at his approach, mistaking his intentions. They scream with terror. He pierces them with his look. The instincts of the father are busy. They are baffled. One of the females is old, too old, the other is slave-like and coarse. Mon dieu, it cannot be, he exclaims with a sigh. There was a mark, but no, 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 it can't be. He leans forward, seizing the girl, though not urgently by the rest. Her sleeve is torn open and the arm laid bare to the shoulder. No, no, again, he exclaims. It's not there, it's not there he turns from them he rushes forward to the old indian who falls back frightened at the glare of his fiery eyes in a voice of thunder there are others bring them forth old man or i will hurl you to the earth there are no other white squaws replied the indian with a sullen and determined air a lie a lie your life shall answer here confront him ruby that dried old skunk that white hair or urine ain't a gonna stay there much longer if you don't bring her out where is she the young queen the indian points to the south oh mon dieu mon dieu cries sanguine in his native tongue and with an accentuation that expresses its complete wretchedness don't believe him cap i've seen a heap of injuns in my time he's a lying old varmint yes true he lied directly but she she may have gone not a bit of it lions is his trade he's their great medicine eh humbug the gal is what they call mystery queen she knows a heap and helps old Whitey Hare in his tricks and sacrifices. He didn't want to lose her. She's here somewhere. I'll bet be bound she's hidden, that's for certain." "'Men!' cried Sanguine, rushing forward to the parapet. "'Take ladders. Search every house. Bring all forth, old and young. Bring them to the open plain. Leave not a corner unsearched. Bring me my child.' The hunters rush for ladders, and they seize those of the great building, and soon possess themselves of others. They run from house to house and drag out the screaming inmates. There are Indian men in some of the houses, lagging braves, boys and dandies. Some of these resist. They are slaughtered, scalped, and flung over the parapets. Crowds alive, guarded in front of the temple, girls and women of all ages. Sanguine's eye is busy, his heart is yearning. At the arrival of each new group he scans their faces in vain. Many of them are young and pretty, but brown as the fallen leaf. She is not yet brought up. I see the three captive Mexicans standing with their friends. They should know where she may be found. Question them. Ha! You are right. I did not think of that. Come, come. We run together down the ladders and approach the delivered captives. Sanguin hurriedly describes the object of his search. Oh, it must be the mystery queen, says one. Yes, yes, cries Sanguine in a trembling anxiety. It is. She is the mystery queen. She is in the town then adds another where where ejaculates the half frantic father where where echoed the girls questioning one another i saw her this morning a short time ago just before you came up i saw him hurry her off adds a second pointing toward the old indian he has hidden her ah Cavell!" cries another perhaps in the estuva the estuva what is it where the sacred fire burns where he makes his medicine where is it lead me to it ah we don't know the way it is the sacred place where they burn people but senora it is in this temple somewhere under the ground he knows none but he is permitted to enter it the estiva is a fearful place an indefinite idea that his daughter may be in danger crosses the mind of sanguine perhaps she is dead already or dying by some horrid means he is struck so are we with the expression of sullen malice that displays itself upon the countenance of the medicine chief. It is altogether an Indian expression, that of dogged determination to die, rather than yield what he has made up his mind to keep. It is the look of demonic cunning, characteristic of men of his peculiar calling among the tribes. Haunted by this thought, Spanguin runs to the ladder and again springs upward to the roof, followed by several of the band. He rushes upon the lying priest, clutching him by the long hair. "'Lead me to her,' he cries in a voice of thunder. "'Lead me to this queen, this mystery queen. She is my daughter.' "'Your daughter, the mystery queen?' replies the Indian, trembling with fear for his life, yet still resisting the appeal. "'No, white man, she is not. The queen is ours. She is the daughter of the sun. She is the child of a Navajo chief tempt me no longer old man no longer i say look forth if a hair of her head has been harmed all these shall suffer i will not live a living thing in your town lead me on bring me to the Esteva. to the Esteva, to the Esteva, shouted several voices strong hands grasp the garments of the indian and are twined into his loose hair knives already red and reeking are brandished before his eyes he is forced from the roof and hurried down the ladders He ceases to resist, for he sees that resistance is death, and half-drag and half-leading, he conducts them to the ground floor of the building. He enters by a passage covered with the shaggy hides of the buffalo. Sanguine follows, keeping his eye and hand upon him. We crowd after, close upon the heels of both. We pass through a dark ways, descending, as we go, through an intricate labyrinth, where we arrive in a large room, dimly lit. Ghastly images are before us and around us, the mystic symbols of a horrid religion. The walls are hung with the hideous shapes and skins of wild beasts. We can see the fierce vestige of the grizzly bear, of the white buffalo, of the panther and the ravenous wolf. We can recognize the horns and frontlets of the elk, the cimarron and the grim bison. Here and there are idle figures of grotesque and monstrous forms carved from wood and the red claystone of the desert. A lamp is flickering with a feeble glare, and on a brazaro near the center of the room burns a small bluish flame. It is the sacred fire. The fire for centuries has blazed to the god Quetzalcoatl. We do not stay to examine these objects. The fumes of the charcoal almost suffocate us. We run in every direction, overturning the idols and dragging down the sacred skins. There are huge serpents gliding over the floor and hissing about our feet. They have been disturbed and frightened by the unwonted intrusion. We too are frightened, for we hear the dreaded rattle of the crocodiles. The men leap from the ground and strike at them with the butts of their rifles. They crush many of them on the stone pavement. There are shouts and confusions. We suffer from the exhalations of the charcoal. We shall be stifled. Where is Sangren? Where has he gone? then there are screams it is a female voice there are voices of men too we rush towards the spot where they are heard we dash aside the walls of the pendant skins we see the chief he has a female in his arms a girl a beautiful girl robed in gold and bright plumes she is screaming as we enter and struggling to escape him he holds her firmly and has torn open the fawn skin sleeve of her tunic he is gazing on her left arm which is bare to the bosom it is she it is she he cries in a voice trembling with emotion oh god it is she adelia adelia do you not know me your father her screams continue she pushes him off stretching out her arms to the indian and calling upon him to protect her the father entreats her in wild and pathetic words She heeds him not she turns her face from him and crouches down hugging the knees of the priest she knows me not oh god my child my child again sanguine speaks in the indian tongue and with imploring accents adelia adelia i am your father you who are you the white man our foes touch me not away white man away dear dearest adelia do not repel me your father you remember father my father was a great chief he is dead This is my father now the son is my father i am a daughter of montezuma i am the queen of the navajos as she utters these words a change seems to come over her spirit she crouches no longer she rises to her feet our screaming has ended and she stands in an attitude of pride and indignation oh adelia continued sanguine more earnest than ever look at me look do you not remember look in my face oh heaven here see here is your mother Adelia. see this is her picture your angel mother look at it look look oh Adelia! sanguine while he is speaking draws a miniature from his bosom and holds it before the eyes of the girl it arrests her attention she looks upon it but without any signs of recognition it is to her only a curious object she seems struck with his manner but entreating. She seems to regard him with wonder, still she repels him. It is evident she knows him not. She has lost every recollection of him and his. She has forgotten the language of her childhood. She has forgotten her father, her mother, she has forgotten all. I could not restrain my tears as I looked upon the face of my friend, for I had grown to consider him such, a friend who has received a mortal wound yet still lives. He stood in the center of the group, silent and crushed. His head had fallen upon his breast. His cheek was blanched and bloodless, and his eyes wandered with an expression of imbecility, painful to behold. I could not imagine the terrible conflict that was raging within him. He made no further efforts to entreat the girl. He no longer offered to approach her, but stood for some moments in the same attitude without speaking a word bring her away he muttered at length in a voice husky and broken bring her away perhaps in god's mercy she may yet remember End of chapter 38 recording by kenneth sergeant gagan